Hey guys, welcome back to the XU Podcast, episode 35. This week, I talk with Mike DeSaro, who is the founder of the Boat Cruise Summer Series concert in Boston. It takes place on the Provincetown 2. It leaves right into the harbor and is host of some of the best concerts and show experiences I've had since living in Boston. Um, This interview is a little different than a lot of our interviews because it actually took place on the boat about 20, 30 minutes before the music started getting going. The opener, Ryan Nichols, who I met the the night I was on the boat and plan to have him on soon. Um, Mike and I met. Mike, again, founded the boat cruise and runs the whole operation. He's a really, really awesome guy, super impressive, and knows a lot about just running an event like the boat cruise and, of course, running businesses that kind of fall underneath that. Um, but the boat cruise itself is, again, something that I've had some of the best experiences concert going, not just in Boston, but just in general. The night I was there, Gorgon City absolutely threw it down on the harbor. And I was able to talk with Mike beforehand about kind of how the boat cruise started, the history of it, obstacles that they've gone about, you know, hoops that they've had to jump through and and dealing with weather and last minute changes and a lot of things like that. And he gave, gave some really cool insight into just how they go about booking these artists. And he was a really great host, him and his entire team. Uh, they treated me really well, and I'm, I'm really grateful for the time that Mike took out of his busy schedule right before he had 800 people on the Provincetown too. Um, so a little disclaimer about the episode. We did do it outside on a Friday afternoon or a Saturday afternoon. So you hear some planes going over. There's some wind at times, and I did my best to edit it all out. You can still get the nuts and bolts of the conversation. Um, but like I said, the Provincetown 2, the Boat Cruise Summer Series concert is a must-go if you live in Boston. They've got about a month left of shows, a Boat Cruise staple. Um, that's just this summer and then in years past, Griffin, Nora and Pure, Fisher, Thomas Jack, two friends, and many, many more. So it was one of my favorite interviews to do just because we were outside, we were in the sun, the boat was kind of getting busy and buzzing and you kind of can kind of hear that throughout the interview. Um, but really appreciate Mike and his time that he took to speak with me, tell me a little history and story about the boat cruise and give everybody a little insight into how they run it. So this is episode 35 with Mike DeSaro from the Boston Boat Cruise Summer Series. All right, welcome to XU Podcast, episode 35, coming live, which you might hear, uh, so apologies in advance for any audio, but I'm live from the Provincetown 2, which is the home of the Boston Boat Cruise Summer Series. I'm joined today by Mike DeSaro, who is the founder of the Boat Cruise, and this is awesome. Thanks a lot for doing this, man. What's up, guys? And by the way, everyone gets Boat Cruise Summer Series wrong. All the artists, everyone says Summer Boat Series of Boston, but you nailed it. Well, I had to write it down, so I didn't (laughs) want to mess it up. But for those who don't know, and for those who have listened to the podcast, I talk about this all the time. I think it is, without a doubt, the best concert experience you can get in Boston. It is essentially a rave on the harbor. You get on a boat, they fit, I think 800 is the max, right? Yep. And they have some of the biggest names in dance music perform. So just this summer alone, Jai Wolf, Loud Luxury, Chris Lake, San Holo, Goldfish. They have uh, Shalu coming, Matoma's coming later this summer, and then Gorgon City's coming tonight. 
In Tonight, beautiful weather, beautiful sold out. Night. And in the past, they've had Griffin, Nora and Pure, Fisher, Thomas Jack, you name it, they get awesome concerts. So Mike was cool enough to sit down with the podcast. And I think the best place, Mike, that I wanted to kind of start was the history. Like, and maybe that might be like your background first and how you kind of thought of, I was just joking that this seems like one of those things you think of with like your friends in a room when you're drunk and it's like, oh, that would be sick <laughs> to have a concert on a boat. But how did this all start? I'll tell you exactly how it started. I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, I think it's the improper Bostonian down in the Cape has Jim Plunkett plays, a cover band guy. So I came on this boat probably at this point. Oh my God, I'm old. Probably 15 years ago and Plunkett was playing on the boat. And he's one of the best cover band guys. And honestly, at the time, I was just promoting a couple bars here and there, doing different things. As soon as I listened to Plunkett on this boat and saw how big it was, and there was no seats in the way, it was just crazy, like, to have a live band with 600 people, like, in the open air. And I had the best night of my life. I had, like, 20 beers, absolutely hammered. And I just remember walking around looking for the owner being like, who's in charge of this boat? Like a little intoxicated. I think I was 21 at the time. And at the time, Ocean Club was one of the biggest clubs in New England. Yeah. Outdoors. So they had all the best outdoor acts. You know, so eventually I thought, like, how can we bring these acts here? So at the time, Ocean Club, I was working with them. You know, Deep Esquale Ventures at the time owned the place. Envy Concepts, who's actually our booking agent now, was doing that. Um, so I started bringing it up. I think this would be a great idea. I think we should do this. I think we can make money doing this. I think it'd be a unique experience. I didn't even think about money in the beginning, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but I think as Ocean Club came to an end, I don't know if you ever heard of it or saw, seen yeah, videos yeah. of it, but as that kind of came to an end, I saw a gap to fill and to me I sat down with Tim Benito who's actually he's the head of big night talent yeah um, he's the owner of Envy Concepts at the time I approached him and I pretty much said listen I think this is gonna be a big opportunity he laughed at me yeah just as I thought he would um, so at the time what I did is I found his competitor it was the Oxford group which actually Chris Colnane is actually still working with me today. He's one of, he's head of our sponsorships uh, and he heads all that stuff. Yeah. And Ryan Taylor on the Oxford group. So eventually I hired them to be the booking of talent. We started with, I think that summer was like crazy. We lost so much money in the beginning, but we started with Carnage, Dubs. Carnage was our first boat. I'll never forget it. He was an hour and a half late to a boat that leaves at a certain time. <laughs> So essentially, we had a, we had an okay summer. I lost a little money. It was a little struggle because people didn't really know the venue. But lo and behold, and what year is this? This is probably 2012. So EDM's just getting it's just getting, getting started. Might have been like 2010, 2012 timeframe, right in there. Okay. Um, but lo and behold, it all worked because yeah. Tim saw it, it, sparked his attention. Yeah. Essentially, I got him on board started partnering with him and it kind of just grew and grew and grew as the bigger acts came to town and it was less of a big competition because Tim always worked with some of the biggest clubs like Ocean Club yeah and now it's easy because he works with Big Night so we partner with Big Night to do boats here and at their venues it makes it a little easier without competing so to yeah. say yeah that's how it started okay cool and again it's you really I tell everybody 
I'm from New York. I say, if you're going to come to Boston in the summer and you're a fan of dance music, you have to get on the boat cruise because I'm more impressed with the level of production that you guys have gotten to and the quality of sound when you're out in the middle of the harbor. Yeah. Um, you mentioned some of the big artists that you've worked with. I want to know a little bit more about the booking process. How do you guys go about picking artists? Is it them coming to you? I know obviously... It's, 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 very, it's a very interesting process, right? Yeah. You know, some of them are very open to it. Some have been here year after year, and you kind of get along with those people, like Goldfish. Yeah. Like, we found, like, I don't want to say we found Goldfish, but essentially they came here just a couple, like a month ago. Yeah. And they were like, one of our first biggest shows was on the boat. Yeah. So, you know, and they just kept growing and growing, growing as a live act. And you start to become close with these artists, and they start understanding what this is. Yeah. So you go to, like, the Diplos of the world and the Tiestos and the Hardwells, and they're like, what the, f what the heck are you talking about? Yeah. Like, I'm not doing a boat cruise and yeah. they don't really get it yeah but a lot of the guys that come back year over year Matoma's another one yeah that we got this year he's been here four different times mm -hmm. uh Klingande's been here three different times yeah um I think that the sound always changes we always try different things right different genres yeah so we try you know Thomas Jack who you mentioned in the beginning yeah. was like the first biggest booking we ever had when he was big in tropical house right he's like made for a boat like his type of music he was our first sellout essentially yeah. like the first boat we sold out in 48 hours and i was like whoa yeah this is nuts so you know as over the years you've probably seen we've tried a little bass uh we try different house acts we, we do different mainstream acts it really i feel like the tropical vibe yeah. Anything that's got like that Klingande sound, that yeah. goldfish sound, live instruments are always much better. Yeah. You know, like Sam Felt, when he comes, we always try to get Sam Felt live. Yeah. Right? We need a saxophone. We need yeah. the live element. Um, but it's a little give and take with the artists. Some of them look forward to it. Some of them, it's an absolute battle, yeah. right? It just comes down to finances and doing double ups with some yeah. of the land venues, essentially. Now, taking a quick step back, you, like obviously you're in the industry, but are you a big, I'm imagining a big dance music fan? Like what are your preferences? What are your tastes? I you really was a big fan coming up in yeah. the Avicii days and yeah. all that and the golden, yeah, you know, David house. Guetta was the biggest one. Hardwell was huge. You know, it's hard yeah. keeping up. Um, it's hard to keep up with it, right? Like, I know the guys I absolutely love, and I still listen to their music in my car. Matoma, I listen to my car every day. But as I've grown, you know, I really rely on the Envy Concepts and the Big Night team um, yeah. to really help me. Some of my staff, you know, I always, I'll pretty much in the beginning of summer send like a, you know, Envy, Envy Concepts will send me a good list of people that we're going to target, right? Yeah. And then I'll, t I'll pretty much check off the guys that I know have that sound and have been here before. Those are easy offers to get, yeah. right? And then, like, Shallow, which is next week. Yeah. Like, I've, I've never even heard yeah. him. I'm a huge fan. I but a lot, a lot of people yeah. come up to me from my team and will tell me, like, this is a guy you got to look at. This yeah. is a guy we have to give a shot at. And I love that. Like, someone like that that's done, doing pretty well for next week. Yeah. Like, that's a great booking to me because I like bringing these new guys in. Some of the older ones are a little harder yeah, to definitely. convince when it doesn't come to yeah. dollar signs. Um, the whole boat concept, concert on a boat, I imagine comes with a lot of hurdles, obstacles, logistical things you guys have to kind of overcome and have overcome over the years. Can you speak to some of the biggest 
challenges that have come with running the boat cruise? Well, it's interesting. I wear a couple hats on the boat because yeah. I own the production company as well. Okay. So over the years, you know, I watch too much Marcus Lomonas on CNBC yeah. about vertical integration of companies, <laughs> but essentially every year we were finding it harder and harder to do the production. You know, we had to take the production on and off the boat every time. Big hurdle is weather. Right, and that all it all comes down to production, right, and the yeah. quality that you can provide for people. So, you know, over the years, we've built out different things. Now we've got legit a DJ booth with a roof on it. Yeah, we never had that for the first five years. So if it's sprinkled, we were toast. we were toast. Yeah, right. So I think people look at the weather very closely, right? Like all summer we've had like maybe three or four where like it was supposed to rain all night. Yeah. That doesn't rain. Yeah. So the biggest hurdle is when I get that call at 10 a.m. in the morning on a night where it may potentially rain. Yeah. And we have to make that call, right? Yeah. We have to set up things downstairs and do more of a boiler room vibe and still try to give people yeah. that atmosphere. And honestly, sometimes those boats, regardless of how everyone fights it, tend to be the wildest and most unique experience because yeah. you're so close. Right? Yeah, totally. But honestly, the weather does changes everything on this boat yeah just a sprinkle alone it's so true means we have to bag the speakers yeah all of a sudden someone's like there's lightning uh oh like yeah. what's that i heard a thunder we're in a boat we're outdoors and it, it comes with it's all weather dependent yeah this whole thing rides off the weather right and i want to thank god for this summer it's, it's been a good summer it's been a beautiful summer yeah. so thank god we haven't had to deal with it too much but cool number one is weather yeah i imagine all that no matters. like pushback from like the city in terms of like sound ordinances or anything that you guys deal with like that in terms of being out on the water and blasting you know a well concert. what's what's good is you can't really hear much yeah i mean and honestly it's going back to what you said about struggles and hurdles on the boat the hardest thing sometimes is the sound there's yeah. nowhere for it to get captured uh, yeah so it just kind of floats out and we've always tried to put more speakers and more speakers on the boat but at the same time it doesn't go very far right like so if you go into like for instance the grand is a perfect example you go in there and it's just yeah because the sound is somewhere to be trapped yeah and bounce off things and ceilings and walls yeah. and come back and vibrate here it just kind of keeps it goes it just goes and it, it, it is i will say like you almost forget you're in the middle of the ocean like the production is the sound quality the shows i've been on have been amazing the lighting is we try to do everything we can to yeah. keep it the best we can yeah but there's also you know it's we have limited power on this so yeah. some of the bigger guys want huge rigs and, and speakers everywhere and they care about the sound and we do too so i wanted to ask and one thing I've noticed this year is it seems like you guys have stepped it up. Every year you guys get better and better with your social media, your communication with fans, I think, is something that is I recognize. You guys communicate with comments and people asking questions. And how have you seen, or like, can you maybe speak to that a little bit? Because I've, no, I've noticed it on, as a page. Honestly, I know exactly the answer to this question. I have grown so much myself over the last 10 years so in the beginning i wanted to do it all myself right yeah, uh, yeah, i can do it all i own the mokuro summer series I, I made this i can do the content online i can do the commenting the tickets i'll put the tickets up myself eventually i realized that i had so many different ventures and so many hats that i built out such an amazing staff yeah so i realized i can't do it myself and i started relying on i think right now we have about team of at least eight top like managers social media marketing managers on the boat 
managers of the operation of uh, all the production. We have artists, talent management, like all different levels. Man. And I think it's come together as one massive success in the world of like, like you said, communicating is so much easier and letting them, I'm a little older now, so having my younger staff explain to me everything about TikTok. And now I love TikTok. And that's where we focused all of our energy was, you know, Facebook after the elections just got crazy. No one really goes on Facebook anymore. And I learned that quick. We used to just do Facebook and Instagram advertising, whereas now... Honestly, I love just focusing my attention on TikTok. I think it's yeah, more... Yeah, you guys have great... It's across. more unique. Like, yeah. it's storytelling of people walking through the seaport and their night out. And, like, yeah. I love that stuff yeah. as opposed to just, like, direct promotional videos yeah. and advertisements, right? Yeah, I was saying the staple artist of the boat cruise. Um, those artists that you kind of looked to and you were mentioning Goldfish just being the best. Yeah, the thing was is Goldfish is my number one. Dom and Dave are amazing. Um, Atoma's really good. You know, guys that I was really personally starting to love, like Fisher. Yeah. Like, I just, I love Fisher. I think he's hilarious. I follow him. Like, yeah. His, I think everything about him is so unique and funny and relatable yeah and it, what stinks is he's become the biggest dj yeah. in the world so i know it's tough to get him all now. of a sudden you know people don't understand that you're competing with the world yeah. like it's not just the boston market and then you know we started getting close with griffin we got here yeah. a lot these guys just keep growing and growing and growing and then you can't really get them back yeah and you can't afford them and those things but you get on them early um, so them early. a question i had um last question because i know you got to go artist you would love to have on the boat that you haven't yet. Do you have any in mind? Do you have any? I got two. Okay. One is I, well actually, I'm sorry, I'm gonna do three. I'm gonna do three here. So one is I've always wanted to get Rufus DeSoul. So Ooh. Rufus DeSoul is such a unique sound. I don't think they play anywhere really. Like they were at, uh, what was on Memorial Day weekend at, uh, at Harvard? Uh, oh, uh, the Boston, Boston College. College. I almost yeah. bought tickets just to go see that. Yeah. They have a unique sound that I think would fit here, yeah. but we'd never be able to fit them. Yeah. Second one is Above and Beyond. I would Ooh. go nuts yeah. to have them on here that we've never be really great. can never connect with them. And then my biggest one is Hardwell. Yeah. And Hardwell was the biggest DJ in the world. I personally have hung out with him four or five times. He's just an awesome guy. Yeah. Right. And his new like, concept too is awesome. He's back and. I'm hoping we can try to get him. If I had him on here, I'd be a very happy person. I'll be the first one buying a ticket. <laughs> so it's getting a little buzzing on the boat. So we have a big night ahead. Mike, thanks again, man. I know this is kind of hectic, but I'm so glad to kind of just get a quick story. I think people are interested in it, and you guys do an awesome job. So love to get it out. Thank yeah. You. Thanks, Mike. This was episode 35 of the XU Podcast. Peace. <laughs>